Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to the new episodes of Radio Rehab. I'm Dana, and I'm a recovering addict and an alcoholic. I'm clean and sober right now, but I've struggled with the disease of addiction for most of my adult life. It began when I was a teenager. I've had bouts of sobriety, and even during the bad times, there's always been some part of me that wanted to live life the right way, the way I am now. This show isn't just for addicts, it's for everyone. Some of my guests will be familiar to you, but their stories will be new, heartbreaking, and awe-inspiring. If you aren't one of us, you surely know us. We are your wives. Your husbands. Your daughters. Your sons. And we've gone through hell to get to the other side. This show is dedicated to the ones who didn't make it. San Jose police are investigating an apartment fire allegedly started by a tenant from the complex located on North First Street. Six families are now homeless as a result of the blaze that erupted on July 18, 2015. Police said the suspect, identified as Craig Morales, is in jail on suspicion of starting the fire. Many of the families displaced by the blaze report the suspect had a confrontation with police earlier in the night after he was allegedly high on drugs and ranting in public. The family said if Morales had been arrested during that incident, they would not be homeless. Joseph Martinez, who lives at the apartment complex, said the suspect threw knives at responding officers who in turn fired rubber bullets. We'll be speaking to his better half later on in the show. Tenants said officers decided to let Morales stay inside his unit. Not long after that, officers returned and Morales was tasered and taken into custody. The arrest was made after Morales allegedly started a fire at the complex. Martinez said, I think they should have taken him into custody when they first were here. All this could have been prevented. He also said, I strongly believe that if they would have apprehended him the first time, all of this could have been avoided. Still, for some, including Nikki Castillo, a wife and mother of three, the bottom line is that they have no place to live. Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm Dana, here in studio with producer Shar. Guest Vicki L is back, and we have Sean Cartwright in studio. Welcome. Hi, Dana. Howdy. Thank you for coming. Also coming up in the show, uh, we are going to be speaking with two people affected by this fire, including one close friend of Craig Morales, the suspect. If you would like to write in questions, comments, observations, visitations from God, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is Radio Rehab Dana. Email radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. Phone number 415-496-9511. You can text or call. So this happened last year, and the reason that you guys are on the show is because you both have personal feelings about it. Uh, Vicky, I know that you're you're really pumped up and angry about this. Yeah, I am. I mean, uh, recently they they offered Craig pretty much life in prison, and um, here's a guy that's been several times fifty one fiftied. He's an addict. I, I personally know him from the rooms, and uh, it's okay to break his anonymity because it's all over the news anyways. So when the cops, when the police were called by Michael Montoya, who is the um, on-site apartment manager, mm-hmm. they asked the police for help. Mental health issues, he's loaded on drugs, 
Um, right, we're dealing with an addict, not right. a mass murderer, an addict who's in the grips of his addiction. Right, exactly. So so when the, the police show up, and, and it wasn't just a cop or two, it was, how many how many cars would you say were out there, Sean? Uh, it was pretty much the entire Mi Pueblo parking lot. Right, plus the police helicopter. Right. right, And, and we, a SWAT team. And we have uh, video footage of that from Downtown Dwellers. Wow, so that yeah. can, uh, Downtown Dwellers is a website? It's a Sean, Facebook group. A Facebook group, Downtown Dwellers. So can, can the listeners find that easily on Facebook, or is it one of those things you have to be invited to? It's San Jose Downtown Dwellers. Okay, great. Okay. Okay, so anyways, they're, they're all out there. Um, the, the unit that Craig's dad lived in, where Craig was residing at the time, was an upstairs unit. And um, so the cops come, and he's throwing knives at them. He throws a chair at them. They end up shooting him with rubber bullets. And he's only wearing boxers. Right. Only wearing boxers. Sounds like an addict. Right. Yeah. And he's clearly loaded. He had been loaded. I, I had seen him just a few days before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when you saw him a few days, when you'd seen him a few days before, was he sober? Was no, he... he was loaded, but he so said he's hi to me. I've known in and out of the rooms all the time. Right. Loaded, but a nice guy, like yeah, well, most addicts are. Well, one of the one of the people with what they call dual diagnosis. So he's got mental health issues uh-huh. and he's got the disease of addiction. And and with people with both, if you're not taking care of both, yeah, you're you're loaded. You'll lose one. Yeah, so if like you're not if, taking care of one. Yeah, if you're loaded, other. you're not going to take your psych meds. If you're not taking your psych meds, you're going to get loaded. Exactly. You're so, self-medicating. Yeah. Right. So so he's loaded, and and uh, Michael had had called the police on him before to get him help, um, and had him fifty-one fiftyed, and so this was a common thing, and the police were told that when they showed up. So back to you know, there's now rubber bullets being shot at him. And then in the middle of all this, it stops, and the police decide that if they stay, he's probably going to get shot. But if if they leave, maybe the dad can just keep him in the unit and keep him under control. So that's what the cops were kind of saying they're going to do. We're either going to kill him, or they're telling the dad, or you deal with him. Right. So pretty much. Wow, that's a (laughs) nice... So the gray area in between, which is called their job, is yeah. what they did not do. And um, <clears throat> there is a protocol, and I wish I could remember what it was called right now. A, a friend of mine that works in mental health had told me. But there is a protocol where there's the cops are supposed to call somebody out that deals with mental health. Right. When it's a mental health call. There's supposed to be a mental health uh, officer that responds that's right. specifically trained in this. And there wasn't any. And so that's a breach of protocol. So they're just treating him like a guy who's... Like an a violent offender. Right. Okay, like a like, violent person. Not like an addict. Not like... To me, it felt and like, well, we don't... everyone's life in danger, basically. To me, it felt like, well, we don't want another case of shooting somebody. Oh, right. We don't know what else to... We're just going to leave. Like, after all that... So, within moments, the place catches on fire. And, uh, oh, and by the way, let me back up. While the cops were there, they were so concerned about his well-being, his mental health and him being loaded and the well-being of the tenants, that they moved all the tenants into Michael and Chantel's apartment, which is, like, not connected. It's adjacent. But it's an apartment building that's not exactly in the same no, unit. No, it's, it, it's in the same parking lot. If you think of yeah. it as a capital L, uh, his unit would be the at long the part. top of the L, uh-huh. and they lived at the bottom the end of the tail. Okay, so they, yeah. so they brought the tenants into the tail of the L, yeah, and now and now Craig Morales is up at the top of the L. So for everybody's that. safety, you guys all. So everybody's and there's pictures on Facebook because at that point, 
they just thought Craig was going to get arrested. And so they're kind of make it, taking Facebook pictures like, help, help, you know. Oh, wow. Craig, but so anyways, <laughs> the place catches on fire. The cops all leave. They take off. And, and then, boom, fire erupts. And from what I understand, and, and when we call Michael and, and uh, Julie, we can ask them further. But from my understanding, Craig even was present for a while before they still even arrested him. And then when he went to jail, we all kind of, we had the news come out. We spoke to city council. We went to, was that internal affairs? That the we, independent police auditor and filed right, complaints. Filed complaints, got nowhere. And and in the beginning, they made it look like, well, we'll try to get him the help that he needs. And, and it went from that to to we want to give him life and we want to life in prison and we want to prosecute him for the charges we walked away from right resisting arrest assaulting an officer which they walked away from right now they so to me and and to the tenants there and several other people in our community it feels like they're just trying to hold somebody accountable for that. They fire. don't want to pay for the blaze, right? Yeah, because if they if they took credit for it, then they're gonna have to pay for the apartment building, right? So they, that is shady. So taxpayers' money get to go put this guy in prison and pay for yeah, him let's to be put there the for addict life. in prison. That's right. just ridiculous. The guy it's, with mental health issues. I know because you know what? Even if it was like a psychotic serial killer, he could get off by claiming insanity. And it's like in in the disease of addiction, we use. Um, Einstein, who was kind of smart, we use his definition of insanity, which is someone who does the same thing over and over again and expects different results. It's it's a type of insanity, but it, but it's something that's that's not inherent in your genes. I mean, it's something that he's causing by chemicals that he's putting in his body. So, right. so Sean, you were there. Is that right? You were there during this whole scene. I followed the whole thing on Downtown Dwellers uh-huh. um, with... You know, the helicopters outside and then the police over at Mi Pueblo and then... What is the, Mi Pueblo? You keep saying that. It's the grocery store next door. Oh, it's the grocery store. Okay. Um, and then with the SWAT team going in and then everything being cleared and then everything being on fire. And then I went down wow. with the fire because it's so close to my home. Um, and when I got there is when everyone was telling me what had happened. And I was incredulous because it sounds like... Wait, you're telling me you called to get your friend help... They came and shot him. They left him. They cleared the place. They burned, and then he burned down the building. Wait, what? And yeah, that it doesn't sound right. I know it almost sounds like that can't be right, but that's factually what happened. I mean, it even says so in the NBC News right. story. <laughs> so while I was standing there, because um, I work in media, I started texting media and telling them what was going on where I was. Um, also, while I was there, I forgot that while I was there, is I started talking to PD just. Because they were the whole area was blocked <laughs> off, and um, many of those officers w- were held over from the uh, afternoon shift, so they were going into their fifteenth hour of duty that day. Almost all the officers that were on that entire scene, so the ones that were blocking the street, the ones that were working with the fire department, um, so they were pretty open about how they felt working that long that shift right they wanted to go home correct and that's like a direct result of measure b um and they were they were open to that they, they weren't hiding that they were saying yeah we retired don't want to deal with this correct and wow so it's an understaffed police department that's responding to these situations that clearly um probably doesn't have enough mental health officers so that's already an issue to begin with of what measure b did to the san jose police force then not sending out um 
enough mental health, not sending out mental health officers as they should have. And then hearing these officers, you know, just like, wow, this is like such a long day and not knowing what's going to happen. And they knew something happened. They knew what went wrong that night. And they were pretty clear about like, you know, you'd start talking and they were making faces at you like, I really can't say anything. Oh, but right. I know what you're saying. Like, I'm not saying I agree with you, but I agree with you. Correct. Kind of thing. You know, it was kind of like blink once if you agree. Blink, blink, right. blink, you know. So, but the interesting thing to me is that there are people who are displaced and were homeless because of this whole thing. And they're on Craig Morales' side. They don't, these people who are victims of the fire are going, no, we don't want this guy to have life in prison because we know this person and he's not, he's not a bad guy. Right. Because they watched it happen. They saw the moment that he was standing there in his underwear with no weapons and a police officer on either side of him each with tasers drawn, and he wasn't tased. And they saw when the police decided to leave him there. So at that moment is when PD decided that they were culpable in anything that happened after that, at least to me. Mm -hmm. So they chose, we're not going to do anything. We're going to walk away. And so after that, they are like co-defendants in any actions that happened. Yeah. So they should be tried for the arson of that building. They absolutely should. They absolutely, like, just as much as any other person should. That's really interesting to me that the victims are on the side of the alleged suspect. We are here with Julie Martinez now on the line, a resident of the apartment complex, as well as a victim of the fire. Welcome to Radio Rehab, Julie. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. So let me get this straight. You were there. You're a tenant in this building that caught on fire. Yes, I was there. Did you see what happened? Um, which part? I saw all of it. <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, do you know Craig Morales? As... Yes, I do. And what's, what's your take on him? He's a nice guy when he's not loaded. Right, um, like most so, addicts. Exactly. When he's loaded, he's not himself. So, And it seems to me like this whole entire fiasco is a result of drugs, basically. Yes. It's not him being a bad person or him being crazy. It's drugs. And it seems to me like, do you agree with the statement that the police failed to do their job? Oh, absolutely. So you saw the police come and then... They're not, he's he's acting crazy, but they don't take him into custody. Is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. And then what happened to you guys in the building? Um. Well, what happened was is his dad started screaming out for another one of our neighbors. And I was like, what the hell's going on? I ran outside and I saw the flames. I, you know, he torched the building. And were you, was your unit close to his? One apartment away. Okay. It was scary. I literally could see him walking through the flames like... Like, they weren't affecting him at all. It was so strange. That just goes to show you the level of drugs that are involved here. Not the yes. level of a bad person, the level of drugs. He yes. walked through fire and didn't feel it. Yes. That is so scary. So It is scary. So then, so after you're displaced, have you have you found housing? Are you no, able we, to? No, we were only out for, like, four days. Um, our apartment fared very well. We didn't have any damage. We just had to be out because it was uh, no hot water. Right. And how do you feel? So right now, I th I, from what I understand, they're trying to give Craig Morales life in prison. Is that right? Oh, my God. That's horrible. They give rapists and child molesters less time than that. Right. And so what's so interesting to me is that you're a quote-unquote victim of, of this whole 
this fire, which is not really arson so much as com- something completely different. Yeah. And you're on, you're taking the same side as the person suspected of starting it. I am. I believe that he needs to do time. I wish it was in a mental institution, but he life in prison is just ridiculous. Right. Is that is that because you agree that he's somebody who needs help and assistance yeah. more than punishment? Yeah, he needs help. Because even when he wasn't high, you could tell he wasn't quite all there. You know, mental health plays a big part in this. Right. That's what Vicky was saying. I think Sean has something to chime in here. The irony is that the reason that he's facing life is it's arson on an occupied dwelling. So it's each count of uh, a person being there, but all the people that were there for that arson are all the people that are supporting him. So That's interesting. So, you know, Michael is a count and Julie is a count and Chantel is a count, but all those people support him. So that's kind of the irony to this whole story. Yeah. And Julie, are you going to go to the trial and continue to support him? Um, work hours permitting, but yes, right, absolutely. Of course. of course. When is the absolutely. trial? Um, you know, Sean knows better than me. Right. Okay. His, his uh, prelim starts on March 15th, and the prosecutor took the ridiculous step the last time that we were there about a month ago of swearing in his father and, um, sorry, swearing him in and saying that he had to be there on March 15th. His dad testify. hasn't missed a single court date. And so he remanded him and saying that, you know, you have to be here oh, on wow. this date or you'll be arrested. It oh, was like issuing a bench wrong. warrant for him. For somebody who was going to be there anyway. Just Correct. And it's his own father who's treating been at every court date. Right. Who's So they're treating both of them like criminals now. Correct. And it was just completely ridiculous. And Tracy Owens, who is his public defender, was just like outraged. And so were we. It was just, why would you do that to his father? Wow. I didn't know that. That's horrible. Julie, do you, do you, are you familiar with his father? Do you know him as well? Absolutely, yes. And is he is he a nice person? Is he He's a good a guy? Very nice man. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the whole community stepped up, um, Julie and Joey mostly, and uh, helped his father get housed. And everybody stepped up and helped him get clothes and gift cards and cash, and really took. And these are the people in the complex. Well, so this is interesting. So so. Everyone who was affected by the fire seems to have gotten housing assistance. But what you're saying is the suspect's father did not? Yes. Yeah. Ah, I see. So they're treating him as a suspect as well, almost. Pretty much. Or they're punishing uh, him regardless. The apartment building gave some people back some money because they couldn't stay in the building. And they refused to give money to Craig's father because his father had let him stay there. That is outrageous. So his father was left literally with a pair of shorts and a shirt with no sleeves. And that was all that he was left with. Yeah, he was his whole apartment was a loss. Oh, my God. That's like you can't do guilty by association. That's just so where other people got prorated rent and money back. If it wasn't for the help of the residents and people like Vicky, his father would have just been left with a pair of shorts and a shirt with no sleeves, barefoot, literally barefoot, and nothing. So, yeah, the people who are victims of this, once again, that are trying to help the person being suspected of it. This is just an outrage. Well, Julie, thank you so much for talking to us. I really appreciate you calling in. Thank you. So, once again, if you're just tuning in, uh, that was Julie Martinez a victim of the fire and a resident in the same building as Craig Morales. Uh, If you want to call in, if you've got questions, comments, uh, it's 415-496-9511. You can call or text anytime, day or night. Even when we're not here, we will get it, probably read it on air if you would like us to. 
Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Radio Rehab Dana. Email Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. That's G-O-T-O Productions.com. And I'm in studio with Vicki L., Sean Cartwright, and, of course, producer Char. Next up on our list of people to talk to is Michael Montoya. He is the on-site manager of the apartment building. Welcome to Radio Rehab, Michael. Thank you so much for calling in. So, You're welcome. Let me get this straight. You are the on-site manager of the apartment building, right? Correct. So what is your take on this situation? What happened? Oh, my goodness. Where to begin? So, so what happened is I actually called the police department on a 5150 hold for, uh, for my buddy Craig. Oh, so um, the original call was a 5150 call. It wasn't 911 help. It was 5150 because the guy needed help, right? Exactly. Yeah. So gotcha. I've done that before in the past with him like two or three other times and... I actually sat there and waited with him before until they came and picked him up and I walked him into the ambulance and Craig, you're going to be fine. I'll see you when you get out. And he would get out and he would do fine and then he would relapse. And it, it was just a continuous thing with him. Only this time, he was just like way out there. Right. Maybe the, been up the, for too long. Too many too drugs. Long. Right. And um, so the cops came and, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't playing nice with them. He was slamming the door on them. And the thing is that when they got ready to leave, they both went that went separate ways on the walkway. And um, so he came out and started charging them with uh, with a coax cable, like a cable cord. Uh huh. They had they had plenty of time to you know to subdue him. They could have tasered him. They could have did whatever. He was in his underwear and chasing him with a cord. <laughs> Instead, they they regrouped. They shot rubber bullets at him like five times. How did he respond to that? Was he in, did he seem injured or was he was it not affecting him? They they were they they never even hit him. They kept hitting the railing. Oh, so, so the rubber bullets never even hit him. No. Okay. Okay. And he started taunting them, and so they told us, you know, stay inside. It's about to get you know it's about to get ugly, and we're like, okay. So we're sitting there for about, I don't know, it was like 20 minutes maybe. And um, there was cops outside. The SWAT team was out there outside of the parking lot, uh, the storage store. And uh, next thing you know, it just got quiet. And we looked out the window and they, they left. The police so they left, left with, with this person acting erratically and crazy. Yeah, they were, they were, he was throwing, he was throwing chair, he threw two chairs at him, which are still outside of my apartment. Um, he was throwing bottles. He was throwing knives. You know, all this is going on and they're shooting at him and they left him. So they walked away. It sounds to me like they walked away from a situation with full knowledge of what they're walking away from. They just yeah. didn't want to deal with it. Is that right? Does that sound right? Exactly. What happens next? So then like 20 minutes later, my wife comes running into the bedroom. She's like, get dressed, get the baby. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, the apartments are on fire. I'm like, what? So we open up the front door and Craig is standing in front of his door, like in his doorway with the flames just like engulfing him. And he's standing there like, like take me, like I'm ready to die. And, yeah, because uh, his mental illness obviously had as much effect on him at that moment as his addiction does. Yeah, his uh, being dual diagnosed right. just kicked in and drugs and all that stuff. It, it was just a, a nasty combination. And I, I believe my opinion, along with the cops shooting at him, it, it just made his trip even worse. I can imagine that. Being in recovery, I can definitely I can definitely feel where you're coming from on that. So the police left and the building's on fire and then what happens? So we all run outside, and we're just waiting there, and my wife sees the lieutenant that was there to begin with, and we ask him, why the hell did you leave him there? And he's all like, well, that was my call. 
He said, that was my call? Like, what does that mean? He said, that was my call? Like, that's what I decided to do? Even yeah. though, clearly, it ended in flames. Literally, that's just, that was my decision? Yeah, like, well, wow. Oh, well, if it was his call, he should kind of be taking credit for it, right? I mean, he should kind of be on the stand dealing with the decision that he made. Because the decision that he made seems to, in my opinion, have resulted in a fire. And people getting displaced. Right? And, Homeless. And and, yeah. We're still dealing with a bunch of issues at my apartments. Like, we had somebody break into our storage lockers because now that the apartments have been empty a lot of homeless have been coming and trying to squat there i've had to run them off Uh, my wife had said something to a couple of them i actually uh, chased a couple of them down and i caught one and the cops came and arrested them like at midnight and we've had to deal with a lot of stuff since the fire like it's, it's been ugly there. So it sounds like it's caused a lot of problems. And throughout these problems, uh, I, I talked to an, another person who was also a victim of the fire. It seems to me like she seems to be more on the side of Craig Morales, more on the side of wanting him to get help and not get life in prison. Where do you stand on that? I'm, I'm right there with her. I actually got on, on television spoke on his behalf, and uh, I've, I've talked to the DA, i talked to his public defender, and I, I really think he, that he needs to get some kind of mental health, as opposed to getting put in prison and tucked away in, in, in there and just over-medicated, because I've been to prison a couple of times, and I can say for myself that I've seen people that go in there on similar cases to where they actually should have got some kind of mental health help, and they were over-medicated and, and just tucked away. Yeah, just kind of lost. So I can understand people don't want to see up obviously a good guy when he's not loaded and you know when he's not in his disease and people don't want to see him permanently displaced as a member of this planet like it's not fair to just erase him so that the police can cover up well it was their judgment call is what I'm saying and, and nobody should be able to cover that up but Michael was also there when uh, Michael's been to the, you know court with us and stuff uh-huh. but Michael was also there um, after the story came out on NBC is when the police decided to come back and collect their rubber bullets and the knives etc is that right? Yeah. So yeah, they took the, off with the evidence. You are kidding me. So the story breaks on NBC and the police come back and literally clean up the crime scene. How what? is this legal? <laughs> How is this even legal? I can't believe that. So, so Michael, did you witness you witness this also? The police came back and they mopped up the crime scene. They took the bullets and they took the knives? Well, here's, here's, here's the catch. I still have one of them. <gasps> Aha! <laughs> really? I will. I hope. I hope somehow that can help Mr. Morales because that it, it just seems wrong. But it also it's a good thing that people like you witnessed it and are not afraid to stand up to authority right now and say your side of the story and tell what happened. It's because they were so smart that they collected the rubber bullets. They collected the knives and they had them on TV and they were smart. And they said, this is what happened. And look, here's the rubber bullets and here's the knives and here's the story. If it wasn't for all that, it would have been much more like he said, she said. Instead then of what evidence. Would to Craig? Exactly. So now there's evidence and it's not people just trying to defend him, which why would they want to do that anyway when they're victims and they're displaced by the whole thing? Well, is there anything else you would like to add, Michael? I mean, to be honest, every time I start thinking about what's the whole situation, it, I don't know. I, I get, I kind of get stuck. Behind the fire, you know, a lot of people with their mixed feelings and a lot of things that went on, you know, we lost a lot of friends. Right. Because of different differences. Oh, I see. And, and uh, it, it just, I don't know. I, I just, I really want him to get the help that he needs. I don't want them to just wash him up. I agree. I 
for him and for all addicts, I think I think that's extremely important. Well, Michael, I just want to say thank you very much for calling into Radio Rehab. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You guys have a good night. God bless you. Okay, so Vicky and Sean, this is one thing I just want to say really quick. We've, we've got another phone call coming up here in a second. I just want to say it seems to me like the people that we've talked to who are affected by this fire, uh, including the manager of the apartment building that got lit on fire, all seem to be siding with Craig Morales and the exactly. fact that he needs help. Exactly. That. Well, and that's why the original call was made. The original call wasn't made for somebody who was deranged and trying to kill people. The original call yeah, was wasn't a, call a rapist. for help. Yeah. So the original call was for somebody who was 50, 5150. It was a mental health call. It wasn't a call for police and, you know, or anything like that. It was a mental health call and it should have been treated as a mental health call. It absolutely should have. And 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 this is in San Jose. And I feel I just want to I'm not like a big cop hater or anything. I just want to say San Francisco Police Department has not only saved my life a couple of times because I had some incidents happen. uh, They also all look sexy. I can't explain it. But when you see them come to your house, they look like a stripper gram of police officers. (laughs) And they're also really great people Uh, in San Bruno. Oh, my God. They're a disgrace to the justice system. It, it like just depends on where you are, I guess, how the, how the police are there. And it seems to me like in, in this, not in all over, San Jose is a huge place. For those of our listeners on the East Coast, if you don't know, San Jose is in the South Bay. It's south of San Francisco. Um, it's Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. I, I, yeah, it's a little Silicon Valley. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a little, yes, it's it's a little south of Silicon Valley. And, you know, it's there's so many different police departments in, in San Jose. Which specific police department, by the way, was this one? San Jose. JPD. It was just SJPD. And I wanted to say, you know, regarding the tenants that were living there when the fire happened, um, you know, you got to remember everybody that lived in that complex, aside from a few, uh, two or three families, everybody's in recovery. Everybody's close. Everybody just had the mindset that the cops would come and Craig would get arrested and 5150'd and detoxed and maybe remanded to treatment. Yeah, like, but not, we're not saying, like, I understand, but I just want to let the listener know, we're not saying he should have gotten off and just gone to a 30-day spin dry. We're talking one year court committed to a hardcore treatment center that also deals with dual diagnosis so that he can get himself some help. Which most of them do now. Right, most of them do now. Right, so that he can get himself some help. So not... we're not saying, oh, send him to, you know, passages in Malibu or some crap like that for 30 days. We're talking about an actual what is kind of a punishment, but a punishment where he can actually grow from it and become a better person, which is the way the justice system is supposed to work anyway. He he couldn't even, I wasn't, I haven't been able to make the court appearances yet, but from what I understand from Sean and others, the first day he was getting arraigned, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even come out and look at anybody. And, and I'm knowing the Craig guilt. and shame. Shame, right. Com- coming down and going, what? did I do? What just happened? Yeah, like the next morning, you know, when your spouse or whoever is giving you that look and you you just, it's, it becomes a whole thing of questions. What did I do? Why is there a hole in right. the wall? Sorry. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I mean, yeah. I haven't lit fire to a building, but. Well, and he'd obviously been trying for a very long time to get himself help. And so, A, he'd been going to meetings like off and on for a long time. And when you keep going to meetings, 
you're trying. This isn't somebody who just like oh, stuck yeah. his toe in the meetings once and like, okay, I tried. He kept going and kept going and, and he's kept got going. two diseases and it's so right. much harder when, you know, to get one under control when you've got the other because the medication thing is touchy and it has to be just right. Otherwise, they're going to start using again. Right. And if you don't have health care and the oh, way the health care system is, it's really hard to A, find the correct treatment, the correct medication and to keep that up. And then, you know, sometimes you don't get your prescription refilled or whatever it is. So he's trying to self-medicate. He's trying to actually take the correct medication. He's trying to keep going to meetings. It's not like he just went once. So he's trying to take all the steps, but he's also trying to, to fight like a mental illness and an addiction. And so they make the call. Michael does the right thing like he'd done before. And he makes a call for 5150 like he'd done times before. And for some reason, that they is respond not what differently happened. They this time. San Jose wow. Police Department failed. And was it, did, I see. did they fail because of staffing? That could be the result. It could be because this time they had less staffing than before. Or did but they that's fail a big because, fail. Oh, absolutely. That's a pretty big fail. Absolutely. Or did they fail because this one sergeant made the wrong decision this time? What, like you know, Michael was saying, he said, that's is, my call. Right. Well, what does that mean? That just means that's the decision I made? Deal with it? Right. I, really? But the failure is on the police force. The failure isn't on Craig. And so somebody no, else right. needs to be held accountable other than just Craig. And it's really not fair that he's the one who's being put out there as the only guilty party. He's not equipped to be accountable. Let's take another call. Producer Sharp, we have uh, Robert on the line yet? Yes, we do. Okay, uh, now we are going to talk to Robert Thomas. This guy is a friend of Craig Morales and a friend of everyone in the apartment complex as well. And he's also been to every single one of the hearings. Is that right? I, I believe, if not most of them. Robert, welcome to Radio Rehab. Thank you so much for calling in. Hi, thank you for having me on. So let me get this straight. Uh, you are a close personal friend of Craig Morales. Is that right? Yes, it is. And you're a close friend of also, it seems to be, a lot of the other tenants in the apartment building? Yes, my very close friend. And you have you gone to all of the, the hearings, to all of the trials that Craig has had so far? Yeah, I've been to most of them. Uh, one I couldn't go to because I had to work, but I try to support him in uh, every way possible. How would you say his spirits are? Well, I would say he's uh, confused. Uh, I would say he's... Uh, Angry, you know, just not, you know, everything is fear-based, right? And w with that comes, you know, the anger and the confusion and, and just really the not what's going on. You know, I don't think his spirits are um, where they should be or where they could be. Um, I believe he's just kind of just sitting there waiting, just as we all are out here, trying to figure out what's going on with this case. Um, so, I mean, he's kind of just being put on hold, left in a cell well i mean you know that's you know unfortunately you know i'm going to break this case down to uh bad timing right what i mean by that is you know nowadays the system is trying to i mean they have linked the uh, mental health and substance abuse together right so now they're just kind of trying to figure out where that goes uh as far as as far as the mental health, what what is it? Uh, Drug-induced psychosis? Is it uh, mental health strength, or is it you know? And I think a lot of us that are involved in this, um, we don't know mental health. You know, we're kind of just going on 
what we think we know or um, what we uh, observe, you know, but I don't think any of us uh, are qualified to actually qualify to understand what's really going on. You know, and I'll even break that down to the police officers who are involved in this also, you know, they're police officers. They're not. Right. They're not health. mental health. Yeah. And it seems <laughs> to me when I, health. I talked to the uh, onsite apartment manager and he was saying that the call he originally made was for mental health to come pick Craig up and perhaps help him because he's obviously on one. And instead the police responded. Right. And then they left and then the apartment building, you know, nearly exploded. Yeah, you know, what, 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 would, what would have happened if they would have took up? They would have asked them a couple questions. Do you want to hurt yourself or others? You know what I mean? And depending on those answers uh, at that moment, if he would have said no, they would have held him for a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, determined he wasn't a threat and let him go. Either you know, way, so, though, it, it seems to me like if they had taken him to mental health or something like that, he would. He was so obviously intoxicated and had, you know, been up for so long that they wouldn't. The fire wouldn't have started because he wouldn't right. have been left to his own devices had they done yeah, their job. Yeah, you know, I, that, that's way out of. Uh, you know, nobody could call that, uh, but the police officers. You know, and and why they made a, a conscious decision with each other to not. Um, you know. Right. Do what they what they sworn oath to do. Yeah. Much, you know what I mean? Oh, ex- yeah, exactly. That is what they swore an oath to do. That is their job. Uh, I'm hoping to get some uh, police officers involved with this on a on an upcoming show because we do plan on following this case. Nice. Um, so let me just ask you a couple questions about Craig. When you know him, when he's clean and sober, how would you describe his character? Craig is awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Craig is uh, humble. You know, Craig didn't have the best. Uh, recovery program, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Craig kept coming back, right? And that's what I loved about Craig all the time is he kept coming back. But I can tell you, I've known Craig for a while, a long time while, and I just seen that downward spiral, you know, that downward spiral, that downward spiral until it led up to this, you know. Um, Craig's, you know, story is he's one who's never been to jail, you know what I mean? So, like, it all comes back around to, in the end to uh, him not getting the help early on. So he's never know? been to jail? This is his first time being incarcerated? This was his first time being incarcerated. I've heard his story a few times. He's, I mean, he's never been, uh, uh, you know, in trouble with the law for the stuff that we would usually get in trouble with, under the influence, possession, things like that. You know, he, he always would uh, kind of just stayed out of it one way or another, you know? And, uh, so he's basically, I mean, he's basically a good guy. He's not uh, somebody who hurts people. He's not somebody who goes around raping people. He's not someone who goes around less, uh, lighting buildings on fire. This just right. is a one-time he, he's thing. An, he's an awesome dude, man. And, you know, it's, uh, and again, it's just the timing to where he's going to be one of the pretty much uh, test rabbits, you know, in, in paperwork and stuff to figure out uh, where substance abuse, especially with crystal methamphetamines, where it can take a person. Right, you and because, I mean, that's one of the, that's the drug that causes, and it's psychosis. I mean, That's the drug. You yeah, know, that is the, the psychosis drug. drug. Lack of sleep. Oh, not, God, not yeah. <laughs> I, I know, right? like, it just Thank eats God away at you. Right? <laughs> I know, I I don't know anyone who's who's 
done that drug who's not done something incredibly stupid on it at least once or, or freaked out yeah. or hallucinated or thought they were being followed. Foil right. on the windows. But oh, you know, God, I, foil I, on the windows because you're being watched. Yeah. Right. That's, I hope that he's able to get diagnosed, you know, and I hope he's able to get stabilized. I hope they're able to come to some sort of collusion, uh, conclusion, right? Uh, you know, and, and you know, um, my own personal recovery is, is you know, I believe uh, we have to be accountable for our stuff uh, only if we were uh, able to realize what we were doing. Yes, right? exactly. I, I so, totally you know, agree. If, if he was, you know, within that stage of psychosis that, you know, and, and really that's, that's going to be hard to prove. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's amazing to me that that'd be hard to prove because it's, I mean, I've heard three different accounts of this guy walking through flames and being unaffected by it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and looking up at the sky like, God, take me, just kill me. You know, I mean, like that that's how he's being described to me, well, and that's not, just not normal. Not, if you're not compassionate against the addict, right, which probably a lot of people in the system are, thank God for, you know, we have... Uh, uh, Terrain Court, uh, Levi Court, right, which is all drug-based cases and stuff. And Judge Manley, he's mm-hmm. very compassionate. And all the judges in that courtroom are handpicked by him. And they're all compassionate. But, you know, I think the majority of the people that are involved in the system, they just want to throw the books. You know? They, yeah. They want to, you know, you're, you're a drug addict. You break into my houses. You steal all our stuff. You do whatever you guys do. And uh, we don't really care about your mental health because it's right. And you deserve what you get and blah, blah, blah. Right. (laughs) Right. But speaking of compassion, like L.A. is doing something completely different now. Um, L.A. now, if somebody if there is a 5150 call, whether it's somebody makes the call or police run into somebody that they believe is 5150, they actually take them directly to mental health treatment rather than taking them to jail. Wow, that's because, right. Because L.A. realizes that there's a problem and that jails are not mental health treatment facilities. Yeah, it's interesting I because I grew up in Los Angeles and a lot of the treatment centers I have been in were in L.A., uh, like places like Cry Help, Impact House, and those places, the majority of the inpatients are court committed. You know, they're there because they committed a crime due to the fact that they were intoxicated, due to the fact that they were, you know in the throes of their drug. So well, I mean, now that, you know, what they're trying to determine now when they, when they say mental health and substance abuse will be together, they're trying to find out genetics. They're trying to find out, you know, is, is this mental health thing a hereditary thing, right? So if it's a hereditary thing, then we can maybe knock off uh, a millimeter of, or use it as its drug base, right? So, oh, I mean, okay. Thing, right. So, I mean, I, I work in the field, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, and I'll, and I'll shout it out to you. I'm like 70 hours away from finishing my practicum being. I'm going to take my state test to be a KDAC and, you know, all that stuff. But the mental health stuff is pretty much out of my scope, you know. Um, in no, the end, but that's, that's, that's good for I'm you. That's going. awesome that you're doing Thank that because you. you're compassionate. And I'm, I think that's great. You're compassionate. And what you're trying to do is help other addicts. And isn't that well, what it's all about? With, isn't that how we're all sober? Craig. Right. Here's where I'm at with Craig. I am Craig. Right. Exactly. We are. Craig. We are all Craig. I just didn't do that. Exactly. No, I'm I Spartacus. That maybe I just didn't get caught for or whatever. But when I was in my psychosis at the moment, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, just like thank God for recovery and, and I'm able to 
see that, you know, and, and a lot of people in recovery are able to see that. And just uh, it's going to break down back to recovery is uh, Craig is not alone, you know, and uh, because of my past, I can't go and visit him. Right? Oh, you can't. <laughs> they won't let you go visit him. No. They won't let they his brother said, visit no. him. You yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Why will they not let his brother visit him? Because anybody um, who's a felon, anybody who has like a past, anybody who has gang ties, none of those people are allowed to go visit. Oh, I see. Okay, because I know that there's, you know, when you when you do twelve step work, when you get on, you know, H and I, and you want to do work like that, I know that you have to be cleared. So now, oh, now I see. Well, yeah, there's only some people who can do it who can go into the jails and take take meetings in there and stuff. Yeah, but I didn't know family couldn't go visit their own family. I didn't know that. But yeah, one of the things that, go ahead. Uh, one of the things that you were talking about change. Um, Judge Manley is serving on the Blue Ribbon Commission on jails uh, because of the death of Michael Tyree. And right. there's a lot of similarities between Michael Tyree and Craig, meaning, right. you know, bipolar people who are in jail. Um, and initially, Craig didn't want to take his meds either. And they're only they were both put in jail only a month apart. Um, so oh, I've wow. been following the Blue Ribbon Commission. I go to all the meetings. Uh, the next one, I believe, is this Saturday at 11. But Judge Manley has been incredibly vocal and loud and feisty in saying that he wants uh, change in our jails to actually follow more like the L.A. model as right. far as mental health and addiction. And so I encourage people who are interested in that to go to the commission. Um, and last, uh, the meeting two weeks ago was horrible, talking about how many women have... Um, how many people have been taken off their psych meds cold turkey when they're placed in jail because your psych meds are just taken away from you? I've heard yeah. You know what? It's so interesting. I've heard I've heard so many different cases of that. There are cases where I've known people who've gone to jail and they'll you know what's so funny? They'll give you your methadone. If you're a methadone, if you know you've got a methadone card, they'll let you have that when you're in jail, but they're not going to give you your Effexor or Serazone or whatever your psych med is. That's crazy. This was the yeah. report done by the county. And they interviewed one third of all the prisoners, men's and women's facilities. They interviewed one third of all the guards and everyone was afraid of retribution, the guards as well as the prisoners. Um, and it was a report. You can go ahead and Google the Blue Ribbon Commission for the county. And the report was horrible. All the uh, miscarriages that have happened because it's taken so long for people to get medical treatment. Um, a man who is now blind because his aneurysm was misdiagnosed as pink eye. Um, it just goes That's on appalling. and on. So I encourage people to follow the Blue Ribbon Commission because Judge Manley is a true hero for what he's trying to get uh, the commission to follow and the changes as well as um, just the changes they're trying to get for like mental health treatment as well as addiction. Okay, right. great. Um, if you will... Uh, Robert, will you, if next time you talk to Craig, will you please tell him that he has friends here at Radio Rehab and that we're going to try to do everything we can to help him? I will. Uh, you know, I've written him a couple times, and uh, you know, I, and I haven't. Maybe that's how I could say that's how uh, his demeanor is. Now. I mean, I haven't received anything back. Robert, aren't you chairing a meeting in two minutes? I'm sure to meet it in two minutes. <laughs> I'm on my way right now. <laughs> okay, we gotta. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for calling into Radio Rehab. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Have Hi, a Robert. good meeting. Bye. Bye. Oh, if you're just tuning in, uh, you should go back in time and listen to the rest of this episode because a lot of interesting things have been happening. Uh, you're listening to Radio Rehab. I'm Dana Keys. I'm here with Vicki L. and Sean Cartwright. We are discussing the Craig Morales case, and we have now talked to three people, the last of whom 
is a good friend of Craig's. And so, you guys, what I'm picking up on is no one, even the people affected by the fire, wants him to get life. Where does life in prison, what does life in prison even have to do with an addict who, in the throes of his disease, did started a fire because the police didn't properly respond to the call? I mean, well, that's what... That's my biggest thing with all this is like, why are we even here? Why are we having this big trial? Why? I mean, it it's not Craig that should be on trial for this. That's my feeling. It seems to me like everybody's feeling is the police should be on trial for this as well because they have at least as much responsibility in this case as Craig. Or just be accountable and, and call it what it is. And if the police didn't themselves agree with you, why would they have gone and collected evidence and removed it from the scene of the crime? Or why would it be? Why would it have gone to internal affairs as soon as they heard about it? Because initially the police didn't hear about it until it aired on NBC. And then as soon as the press started like snooping around, initially the police denied it to media. And then once the media started saying, no, this really happened because I've already been to the, the building. The police denied it to media? Yes. Uh, wow. I work with media a lot, and media told us that initially the police denied that it happened, mostly because the police couldn't imagine that something so stupid would occur. Right. And then when media pressed them, then the police checked and said, oh, yeah, sorry, that happened. And then they admitted to media that they had, they have no idea how this went so poorly. That they admitted that they they had aired, and that the investigation went straight to internal affairs. It actually bypassed the police chief and everything, and went straight to internal affairs as soon as the NBC report broke. So, so this so is if nothing be went wrong. Then why did that happen? Yes, right. So th- so we can rest assured that this is being investigated. It did get brought to internal affairs, right? So they are taking a look at it. There's Vicky, two civilian Vicky's shaking her head. No, there's two <laughs> civilian complaints with the internal uh, police auditor. One being that mine. has a year uh, to com- conclude, and then there's also a report or going through the uh, internal affairs, and we haven't heard anything about either one of them. And we also asked the police, we went to the police department and requested a copy of the police report, and we were denied that by the police. Isn't that, isn't that public record? They said that the reason that we could not get it, and I went with uh, Chantel and Michael, who are the property managers, they said that the only victim in the fire was the property owner, not the residents. The oh owner. my God, you're kidding me. That came out of their mouth? They said the only victim of a fire is some guy who lives not in the building. Not in this country. Not in, oh my God. So the only victim was a guy who does not live in this country who did not get his ass burned or lose his place to live. But he maybe, you know, got put out a little off the money. So really, that is unbelievably disgusting. So I got an amended police report that they gave me. It's a summary, and it's one paragraph. It doesn't even mention that they were there two separate occasions, and it's just so they're, one they're paragraph. Forget, so forget the time when they were originally called, and they said, we're either going to shoot him to death or we're going to leave. They don't mention that like it didn't happen. No, it's about twelve. It's about a 12-line paragraph. 
Well, luckily, what happened has witnesses, right? I mean, we just, well, we just talked to witnesses. We spoke with Craig's uh, good friend who's gone to uh, almost every one of the hearings. We spoke to the on-site apartment manager, and we spoke to a tenant of the building. Well, and it's documented on the Facebook group. And you were there. (laughs) Because on the Facebook group, as it's happening, so there's the people say, oh, there's helicopters. Oh, there's a bunch of police. Oh, now there's a SWAT team going in. Oh, now the area is clear. Oh, now the building's on fire. So every moment of that is captured and documented on the Facebook group, like moment by moment as it's happening. So not only do you have the witnesses that were there, but you actually have Facebook witnesses that are documenting that in real time. So we're Radio Rehab with Dana. That's the Facebook page. And we're, we will try to put a link to that What um, on our Facebook page. What is the Facebook page you're referring to? Is it the downtown? San Jose Downtown Dwellers. San Jose Downtown Dwellers. If you want to go uh, check this out and see what's going on. Of course, we're going to follow this case. And also, uh, I wanted to mention about when the DA first picked up the case, when when the first it was the arraignment hearing, I believe, and the prosecuting DA told his first lie that he had spoken with the families. Um, he so said wait, that what to was the his media. First lie? His first lie was that he had spoken with the families. He told the media that, and and it just wasn't. Sean can tell you what happened. Yeah, clarify the cameras that, please. were all there because obviously the case had gotten a bunch of media by that point. I see. So he went to media and he said you know we've met with the families and and you know etc and that wasn't true what had happened was myself or other people who were there concerned family members and witnesses had spoken to him just because he was standing there and we didn't know if he was public defender or da and had spoken to him and said hey you know we're hoping that you do this for craig and this is the situation and he went from talking to us to turning around and telling media that he had met with the families and that was a gross exaggeration of what had occurred. He made it sound to the media as if we had met and he talked to the family and what, you know, hoped Right, what and happen. you aren't even a family. I mean, Correct. so like he's passing you off as family. Correct. So it was really a mischaracterization of what had happened. So he gives Kind of it, a blatant you know, lie almost. I mean. Correct. Wow. So I confronted him after that and said, you know, what you just said was not true. And what did he say? Oh, well, you know, and so he tried to, he was like, well, we have tried to, you know, contact people. And it was, he oh, didn't that, have any contact information yet. That's this ridiculous. Was the first time he saw us. That is insane. So it just wasn't really fair. No, that's not fair. This this whole thing is unfair, I think. As we've all seemed to, the one conclusion I think we all can agree upon is that what this guy needs is help. He, it, what and what the apartment manager called was help. He called to get help. He called to 5150, an addict who was out of control because he had been up for too long. He was on too much meth. And the instead, something entirely different than help came. It was the police in the form of what he wants to do, kill him or leave. And that, that should not be the options. And now what's happening is this guy is on tra- trial and they want to give him life in prison because of like a mistake the police made. And then on top of this mistake, there's it's just like a gross miscarriage of justice, in my opinion. Well, and um, the good part is that the public defender mentions this every single time we're in court. The public so, defender, yeah, you were saying that earlier. The public defender mentions this exact point that the police are that the police. The public up. defender right. is Tracy Owens, and she says this started as a fifty-one fifty call, and the police mishandled it, 
And so she mentions that every single time that it's the police's fault that we're in the situation. They mishandled a mental health call. And you know, so I appreciate I, her doing that every time. I do, too. I, I think that's that's that shows great character on her part. The thing that scares me is it's it's all up to a jury now. And who's the jury going to be and, and how you know, delusional are they going to be? What, it's what's their like, opinion on addicts? It's like, like I, we were talking earlier, uh, making a murderer. I'm sure most people listening are, are familiar with that. Uh, especially if you have an addiction problem. There's no way you didn't binge watch the whole season if you're an addict. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I watched did. It. My <laughs> eyes were bleeding. It was like, I'm just going to watch one episode. So yeah, nine hours later, I'm like, what happened? Okay, but so yeah. And if you watch that trial, like Br- Brendan Dassey and Steve Avery's trial, the, it's the jury were just they had what they thought the the DA basically told them what to think the media had infiltrated their brains and told them what to think I really hope I mean that this doesn't happen with Craig Morales because that would be sad but I think one good thing that's happening is like this show and all of the people like you like Sean here and Vicky all trying to help this guy because now the media is going to be saturated with truth well the hope is that there will be enough letters that come in supporting him to change it and get the mitigation package that we can get it switched from a regular court to Judge Manley's court. And, that and Judge Manley is the one who... Drug court. Terrain. Drug court, and, right. So, and so not only... He deals with addicts. Great. Right. And that, that we will switch it from it, um, him facing life to maybe just mental health and maybe getting... Drug uh, rehab. Like and that a, would yeah. be a lot better. And so the whole point of the mitigation is to get letters supporting Craig, people that have been through addiction, people that worked with Craig, people that knew Craig, people that are neighbors of Craig, and writing letters in support of Craig and putting together a huge mitigation package that Tracy can take to the court and say, can we go this different route? Can we go to Judge Manley's court so that Craig no longer faces life and he gets the treatment that he needs? I'm on board. Uh, if if you out there listening are on board, you can email us, radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. Phone number is 415-496-9511. Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter, at Radio Rehab, Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. We are about out of time, but we do have time for Epic Addict Fail. Don't try to do that at home. I went to voice and speech school to learn to do that with my voice. Uh, So the irony here is this whole show is an epic addict fail. That's what's so sad. This whole show is one epic addict fail. However, it's an extremely tragic one, and we're going to leave you with something uh, a little bit funny. A woman who was smuggling half a pound of cocaine worth an estimated street value of $10,000 in her vag through New York's JFK airport has been arrested. U.S. Customs and Border Protection said Friday... The vaginally inserted cocaine was discovered after Shakira Thompson, a U.S. citizen, presented herself for inspection upon arriving. You know, I just want to say for all of us addicts out there, for all of us in recovery, has have any of us not keistered a little something or pounded a little something to get through customs? You know, I was just telling producer Shar, the normie, our resident normal person here who just has bad taste in friends. <laughs> <laughs> that that I she was in the middle of telling a story and I was like oh I've I've done something similar and she was like yeah so anyway wait, wait you what you have so yeah I mean I was telling her you know I'm not all the way but yeah 
packed a little bit. I mean, it's it's not easy going through the airport in Texas walking like you're a Dynasty cast member with your butt all clenched. I'm, I'm just saying. My, my heart goes out to Shakira, whatever her name was. Anyway, that's all the time we've got. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I want to say thank you so much, Vicky, for, for being a guest on this show again. We love having you. Love being here. And we will follow the show. And Sean Cartwright, it was nice to meet you, and thank you so much for being on Radio Rehab. Thank you. It was a good time. Stay sober, guys. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll It's very good indeed Keep your silly ways Or throw them out the window The wisdom of your ways I've been there and I know Lots of other ways What a jolly bad shot if all